book of Luke chapter 18. We have announced a couple of uh, times that we want to just keep it before you. September 22nd, a week from today, we're going to have a, a full day of Holy Ghost harvest. Amen. And uh, we're going to be expecting God to pour out the baptism of the Holy Ghost on those who need to receive the Holy Ghost. And we're expecting God to do great miracles in the lives of many people. And so we're going to have a, a one-day revival, amen, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. So we're looking forward to that. And then, then the week after that is ready now all access. We have achieved by the grace of God, we have achieved our approval on our final design plan. And this is, this is a major milestone. I mean, we've been giving God praise and shouting and rejoicing over all the many things He's done. So, so we, we may sometimes feel a little tired, but we ought to praise God for everything He's done. And this was a big thing that God had, has done for us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just give God the praise for this. And, and so on September 29th, we're looking forward to sharing with you all of the milestones and the, and the stepping uh, stones, if you please, that God has provided along this path and where it brings us today and where we're going to proceed from this point. And we are looking forward to that. We're going to have following that service already now appreciation uh, time, a fall fest outside, uh, lunch, dinner. It's going to be a great time. There's more details uh, concerning that. Uh, at Connect Point, but we look forward to uh, a great day in the Lord on September 29th. Amen. Tonight, I just want to turn your attention to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, and I, I just want to talk to you for a little bit, and uh, I just want to read to you uh, one verse of Scripture. It simply says this, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. I just want to preach to you, speak to you, minister to you on the subject we ought always to pray. Praise God. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer and ask His blessing upon the preaching of the Word tonight. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for blessing us. Lord, I, I don't even know where to start. Your blessings are so full and overflowing, and I give you praise, Lord, for each and every blessing that comes our way. Thank you for this gathering of people that are here tonight, Lord, to receive from your hand. I pray that your word would be fresh and timely, O oh God, to minister to our needs. We give you all praise, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. These are the words of Jesus. These are the, this was the, the Bible says, to the end. He gave this parable to the end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. This was the end result of his teaching. He proceeded to talk to them about a judge who did not fear God or regard man, but that he, through the importunity of a widow that, that troubled him, he began to 
hear and hearken to her cry. And he talked about the fact that two men went to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, and that one prayed a great oration of prayer, whereas the other simply prayed, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord said that this man went down to his house justified. So he was teaching on prayer. He was talking about the power of prayer and how to, how to pray. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about, about that, about how to pray. Notice that he said men ought always to pray and not to faint. This lets us know that the alternative to fainting is praying. There is this temptation to faint. The Bible deals with the faintness that can, that can creep upon the life of an individual. In one place, Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And there is a, there is a faintness that can come upon an individual where, where the, I'll say the spiritual heart rate drops and and sometimes a person can move into a lethargy of the spirit and uh, and become very faint you probably have experienced this in the natural you know a little bit of rest is good uh, but then you need to bounce up out of that rest and start your day and the bible warns that if you don't do that if you love sleep i'm not going to ask for a show of hands for folks who love sleep, because the Bible said, love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. And this is something we all must be aware of, because in a spiritual sense, this is true. If we get into the habit of not praying, if we get into the habit of not communing with God, and begin to, to, to just kind of go down this path of thinking carnally and thinking on a secular level, uh, then we will become faint. There will be a spiritual lethargy to get a hold of us, and it becomes harder to pray from a lethargic standpoint. If you've noticed, uh, when it's challenging to pray, anybody ever found it to be at times challenging to pray? It's challenging to pray when you're spiritually lethargic. You know, sometimes it's challenging to want to get up and go on a brisk walk if you're sitting in your lazy boy recliner and things are feeling good and you're just kind of nestled in there and you just got comfortable and you've been there a while and somebody said, hey, let's go for a brisk walk. You know, it just doesn't sound like the thing I want to do right now. But get up and go on that walk because it'll get your heart rate going. And once your heart rate goes and begins to move you, you're going to enjoy the walk. And then there's this thing in the natural called a second wind. And that second wind will come in and you will feel strengthened and you'll be ready to, to, to walk even further. Well, there are a lot of spiritual parallels here. Uh, this is true of the way prayer works. If you, are, if you are sitting back in a comfortable, carnal fleshly position and you have loaded your mind with all the current events of the day and you have loaded your mind with with all the stuff you have to worry about and the things that you um, you know that people are bringing to your attention you, you can get lethargic 
But the Bible says you ought always to pray. The Apostle Paul said, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. This is, this is, this is also teaching us about prayer. Lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. In other words, when you come into the presence of the Lord, you're able to leave behind all the stuff that would, that would initiate wrath in you or initiate doubting in you. It purifies you and gives you holy hands and a, a pure heart. And this is the way that prayer is to work. When you begin feeling faint, pray. When you begin to worry, pray. When you begin to feel like you can't go on, pray. When you, are, when you are suffering from discouragement, maybe you have felt hurt by someone, pray. You ought always to pray. I remember Brother Gary Keller saying of Brother Paul Mooney, who he was assisting in Muskegon, Michigan many years ago, and he said that he would sit there as Brother Mooney would, would speak to people in counseling and guidance and uh, they would come to Pastor Mooney, and he said, without fail, the conversation usually ended with, you need to go pray about that. And, and as, as an assistant to Brother Mooney, Brother Killer admitted, he said, you know, I thought, well, man, surely he could have he come up with something better than that because that's what he said to the last 10 people that came through. And he said, but later uh, he began to realize as he would counsel and provide guidance to people that that's exactly what each and every person needs. We need to pray about that. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're up against, but I can tell you, you need to pray about that. You need to bring that to God in prayer, and that is what prevents fainting. That's what prevents that spiritual lethargy. When you begin to fall by the wayside and you're limping along, it took everything you could to get to church. And I don't mean physical weariness, but there's, there's a spiritual weariness that can set in. But prayer is the solution to it. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. When we pray, you need to pray with expectation. Don't pray as though you are providing some kind of a, a, a wish list or some kind of a thing where you're saying to God, you know, kind of taking shots in the dark, saying, man, I hope something I say actually happens. You need to pray with expectation. Kind of like when you're filling out an order. Not that you're ordering God, but that when you're filling out an order, you expect to have come back to you what you placed on that order. And, and you can be that specific with God. Now, God's will is preeminent above all things. So we want God's will because God knows what's best for us. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He knows what is best for us. So we want His will. But when we pray, we can be as specific to God and with God as we feel we need to be. We need to have an open communication and communion with God. And let me tell you that prayer is exciting. Prayer is exhilarating. Prayer is thrilling. And if you do not know that, that may be because you have not often touched God in prayer. It is when you touch God that the windows of heaven open 
and he reveals himself to you in a mighty way. And you begin to experience things you've never experienced. And you begin to see things you've never seen. And you begin to be strengthened in this invisible part of you that perhaps you didn't even fully realize existed. Oh, but there's an invisible part of you. You are body, soul, and spirit. And your body is, is, is always serving itself, trying to somehow satisfy the needs of the body. But the soul and the spirit go untouched and unchanged and unchallenged. Prayer deals with the invisible part of you. And there is a glory from the Lord that will come upon you. There is a power of God that will come upon you when you pray. Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees pray. So he said, the Pharisees will go out into the street corner and they will they will have long flowing garments and they will pray loudly so that everybody can hear how amazing they are at prayer but he said that's because they're trying to get people's attention to be drawn to them he said they have their reward people will notice them and that's the reward they get but the father seeth in secret and the father that seeth in secret shall reward you openly. This does not mean we don't pray publicly. We do pray publicly. We have biblical precedent for praying publicly. David danced before the Lord with all his might in the eyes of all of Israel, praising God and giving God glory in the eyes of all the people. But we do not do it for the sake of people's attention. We do it as unto the Lord. Jesus said, go into a closet and pray. Pray in closet, in, in secret. And the Father that seeth in secret shall reward you openly. The Father that sees you in secret shall reward you openly. Make sure you have plenty of time to pray. Make sure you have plenty of privacy when you pray. Because when you pray, you need to be able to talk to God about anything. And about everything. You need to be able to open up your mouth and discuss things with the Lord. You need to be able to ask God the toughest, most complex of questions. Questions you don't want anybody else to know you even have. But you have those questions. Bring them to God. Make sure you have an open heart and an open Bible. And pray, pray, pray. Bring him your most complex questions. Bring to him all of the things that trouble you. Bring to him your praise. And bring to him your pain. Bring to him the things you are worried about. Articulate those things to him. Don't let them fester inside of you. If you have a situation that is dwelling on your mind, bring that thing to God in prayer. It will gnaw on your mind and rob you of sweet contentment and peace of mind as long as you let it sit taking up space in your brain but bring it to God in prayer and say Lord I don't know what to do about this I don't know where to take this Lord I'm worried about this I have concerns about one two three four you can be about your family it can be about your children it can be about your physical health and you tell God Lord I need to lay this down 
How many times have you heard the preacher say, give it to God, and you thought, I wish I knew how. I wish I knew how to bring that to the altar and lay it down. It's not something you can pull out of your pocket and lay down on the altar. It's an invisible thing, worry is. So how do you deal with invisible things? You deal with invisible things in prayer. You come to the Lord and you say, oh God, I need to lay this down. I don't know how to lay it down. The preacher talks about laying it down. I can't even get my hand around it, let alone my brain. So I need you to help me to lay this down. Take this off of my shoulders. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll bring it to God like that, God will absolutely come through for you and give you peace. Peace. Precious peace. Look at the way that the, the writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament talked with God. They had an open dialogue with the Lord. I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I want you to speak to me the way you spoke to the prophets of old. I, I, you know, I, I, be, I grew tired of, of, of God speaking to me and me not knowing it was God and, and ignoring it. Wondering if it was God. So God would say, go encourage that person. And I would stand there with all this trepidation and hesitation. Well, what if I'm not a good encourager? What if I go and share something and it's not of God? What if I go and try to give them a scripture and they're a theologian, scriptorian, scholar. And they know I don't know the scripture like I need to know it. And I used to struggle with these thoughts as a young person. But finally I said, Lord, I'm tired of, of, of hearing your voice and then ignoring your voice, not hearkening to your voice so lord speak to me I, I read the bible and the bible says the word of the lord came unto ezekiel saying and ezekiel just writing it down yep that's what he said this is how he said it lord talk to me like that the word of the lord came unto elijah saying and and, and it was just this voice of god and, and it was a couple of weeks after praying this prayer and in the middle of the night the lord awoke awakened me at about four in the morning and I got out of bed. You know, uh, it, sometimes if you wait long enough, God will stop talking to you. You can go back to sleep. But don't do that. Get, wait and get up out of bed and see what God's trying to give to you. And at 4 in the morning, I got up. And, and, it, and I'll say it this way. It, it, it's not that when I say the Lord woke me up, I know now that the Lord woke me up. In that moment, I wasn't aware that the Lord was waking me up. In that moment, I just woke up. And, and then I, I just got out of bed. I put my slippers on. I walked out of the room. Didn't know why I was walking out of the room. Just walked out of the room. It was instinctive. I walked down the hall. Instinctively, I went downstairs, and I just walked into the, into the kitchen. And, and then, I, and then I, uh, I went over and grabbed the phone. This was years ago, so we had landlines back then. And, and I, I picked up the phone, and there was a voicemail. So I checked the voicemail. When I checked the voicemail, there were eight messages on that voicemail. Well, that's not good because I had just gone to bed about 11 o'clock and now at 4 a.m. there's eight messages. That cannot be good. I thought the phone was up with me and I, 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 I listened to the voicemail. It was Sister Rivers who was the wife of our church treasurer, a faithful uh, couple, faithful man of God. Brother Kerry Rivers was experiencing a full-fledged heart attack that was threatening his life. They had lost him and were trying to shock him back to life and she was desperate and she, and she was calling, and I immediately, I, 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 I began to scramble to get myself together, and I, I ran out of the house, and as I turned to lock the door, 
the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And this is what he said. He said, you have asked me to let you know my voice. And he said, you just heard my voice. And I didn't remember hearing the voice of God. I didn't remember, uh, you know, no, no clouds opened up. There was no light that shone into my room. And so I said, Lord, how did I hear your voice? He began to teach me that the voice of God is not something that is to be living externally outside of you, but that the voice of God is something that is inside of you and that it'll actually get into the members of your body and it will replace your instincts with his instincts. And when you're walking in the Holy Ghost, your instincts can be trusted as being the voice of God as he leads you and guides you. It was God telling me to get out of bed. It was God telling me to walk down the hall. It was God telling me to go down the steps and God telling me to go into the kitchen and God telling me to answer that phone. God was speaking to me the whole time and it seemed a lot like my own instincts. That's how the voice of God can work. The Bible said that the earthquake and the wind and the fire all appeared before Elijah. And the voice of God was not in any of those manifestations. But then the Lord spoke to him in a still, small voice. It was so still and so small that the carnal man can't even hear it. Only the spiritual can perceive the voice of God in its purest form. Hallelujah. That's what happens when an individual begins to pray. What are you praying? What are the words you are praying? How are you communing with God? How much time are you setting aside to commune with God? How big of a priority is prayer in your life? If every one of your prayers were answered, how many people would be saved? If every one of your prayers were answered, how many worldwide problems would be solved? If every one of your prayers were answered, how many saints would be encouraged? If every one of your prayers were answered, hallelujah. You've got to think about this, ladies and gentlemen. We need to have a direct communication with God. There's power in prayer. There is power when people of God begin to pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. I'm telling you, our nation needs a healing in this land. It needs a healing in this land. And it's not enough for the church to stand on the sidelines and point out all the flaws of our world. You know, America has had at its base a very, uh, a very a Christian orientation for years. And, uh, and so, so we're not actually used to what we're seeing today in terms of violence and in terms of perversion. This is like it's hell hath enlarged herself. And it has become so problematic to look out over the landscape of our world. Listen, if you don't know Jesus is coming soon, then you're not paying attention. Jesus is coming soon. And our world is messed up. 
But it's not enough for us to stand on the sidelines and criticize it and say, oh, this is awful and this is terrible. Can you believe how, uh, how horrible and how ungodly and how treacherous everything has become? We've got to find ourselves in a prayer closet. We've got to find ourselves on our knees bringing these things to God in prayer. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for people to be saved. We need to be praying for people to be healed. We can't just talk about a mental health epidemic. We need to pray that God heal people in their minds and in their spirits. Prayer changes things. Worrying about things doesn't change things. Fretting about things, it, that doesn't change things. But when we pray, things begin to change. Notice how they spoke to God in the word of the Lord. Listen to what Abraham said concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. Could you have prayed the kind of prayers Abraham prayed over Sodom and Gomorrah? These treacherous cities full of violence and perversion. These cities that became the template for the judgment of God falling upon a land that has turned their back on the Lord and lived so unrighteously. We have preached about Sodom and Gomorrah and describe their, the treachery of their sin. Abraham could have done the same thing. He did not condone or endorse anything that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But when it came time for their destruction, Abraham went to God in prayer and said, Lord, if there be 50 righteous, listen to what he said. He did not say, if there be 50 righteous, save those 50 righteous. He said, if there be 50 righteous, spare the cities. If there be 40 righteous, 30, 20, 10 righteous, Lord, spare the cities. And the Lord said, if there be 10 righteous, I will spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at that kind of intercessory prayer. That's the kind. Now, now there were not 10 righteous people. So the cities were destroyed. But Abraham actually had the kind of prayer life where he did not just walk into a prayer room and go through some kind of a repetition. The Bible calls repetition vain repetition. When it mentions vain repetition, it means it's ineffective. God doesn't hear just vain, repetitive speaking where we are just speaking things out of memory or speaking things out of coercion or speaking things out of compulsion. We speak from the heart. We cry unto God from the depth of our soul. God hears the heart cry. The Lord hears the sincerity of our soul. That's what causes God to move on our behalf. Abraham spoke with the compassion of a prayer warrior who saw two cities in desperate need of salvation. What would you be like if you were like the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17? He walks upon the site of Mars Hill and the Bible said that they, they were worshiping the false gods of the Grecian, the Grecian gods. And they were worshiping these false gods and their altars. The Bible said he passed by and beheld their devotions. And when you look at this scene, this wasn't just people bowing down to altars. Some of these ritualistic ceremonial worships were horrible, horrible acts. They were the 
basest of humankind. It was, it was total debauchery. It was total evil and perversion. And Paul is walking by and he's seeing all of this happen. Now, he could have run away in total embarrassment of what he just saw and condemned that place for how far from God they were. But that's not what Paul did. The Bible said his spirit was stirred within him. He was wholly moved when he saw the city given to idolatry. And he went before them and said, hear what I'm telling you. There is a God in heaven. I saw one of your altars that said, an altar to the unknown God. Well, well, I know who the unknown God is and him therefore I declare unto you God that made the heavens God that made the sun the moon the stars and all things that are in the earth in him we live in him we move in him we have our being what I'm trying to tell you is there needs to be a prayerful mentality that so grips us that we're not intimidated by the total debauchery of our our world but we will pray until we see souls saved we will pray until we see things turn around in the lives of individuals I think there can be sometimes a mindset come upon the church that says, well, this whole thing's going to go up in a ball of smoke anyway who cares let's just hold the fort till Jesus comes God forbid we feel that way we're the only hope that this world has hallelujah we need to be praying for our nation every single day. You need to interject that deeply into your prayer life where you call upon God and say, Oh, Lord, don't forget America. Bring us, Lord, to a place of repentance. Bring us, Lord, to a place of humility. Don't let us turn our back on you. Don't let our leaders turn their back on you trying every every day to pass some kind of a new law that encroaches further and further upon people's uh, right to worship God as they please. God forbid that we just sit idly by and watch it happen and the power to stop it doesn't exist in placards and protests but the power to stop it exists in prayer. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Men ought always to pray not to faint Pray. Pray until your soul shakes. Pray until your spirit moves. Pray until your community feels the thunder of your prayer. Pray, hallelujah, pray with expectation. Lord, when I pray this, I'm not taking a shot in the dark. I'm not sending up some wish list. I'm not just hoping against hope that maybe you'll hear me. I'm praying with expectation because I know that you'll hear my prayer. Hallelujah. Notice how, notice how Jeremiah prayed. The scripture teaches us how Jeremiah prayed. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 14 and 7. Oh, Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do thou it for thy name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against thee. You know what I love about the way the prophets prayed for Israel? They never looked at Israel and pointed the finger. They always prayed from the position of we. Even though Jeremiah is a weeping prophet. If anybody was close to God, it was Jeremiah who was close to God. 
we wouldn't have minded it one bit if we read this. And Jeremiah said, their backslidings are many. But he did not take that kind of a self-righteous posture. Because, I'm going to tell you something, God doesn't hear self-righteous prayers. And we say self-righteous. You won't find the word self-righteous in the word of God. You'll find righteous and you'll find unrighteous. We say self-righteous to make that form of unrighteousness sound a little less offensive. But self-righteousness is unrighteousness, plain and simple. And he did not take that unrighteous posture of acting like he was superior to anybody else. He said, our backslidings are many. Lord, our own iniquities testify against us. But do it, Lord, for your name's sake. Do it, Lord, for your name's sake. Verse 8. Oh, the hope of Israel, the Savior thereof in time of trouble. Why shouldest thou be as a stranger in the land and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside to tarry for a night? Why shouldest thou be as a man astonished, as a mighty man that cannot save? Yet thou, O Lord, art in the midst of us and we are called by thy name. Leave us not. He could feel the anger of God toward Israel and he fell on his face and said, leave us not. Our backslidings are many. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to sugarcoat it, Lord. Our iniquities have testified against us. Leave us not. How many can feel the anger of God boiling at the United States of America? How many can feel it? You feel that. The Holy Ghost bears witness. There's an anger of God. It's boiling. It's simmering. There's an indignation of God. And the more that they flaunt that unrighteousness and violence and perversion and, and antichrist spirit in his face, that indignation boils even further. I'm going to tell you something. It's not enough just to feel the anger of God and to sense that it's there. You've got to fall on your face and say, Oh God, our iniquities are testifying against us. Our backslidings are many. Our nation is in trouble. We've got to have a heart for intercessory prayer. We've got to have a heart. It's not, don't faint, don't faint. It's not time to faint. It's time to pray. Oh, hallelujah. He, he goes on to say, oh, oh, Lord. Because God, God said, listen. When they fast, I won't hear their cry. When they offer burnt offerings in an oblation, I will not accept them. I will consume them by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. God had made up his mind. That didn't stop Jeremiah. Jeremiah continued on. I said, oh, Lord God, behold. The prophets say unto them, you shall not see the sword. Neither shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. He said, Lord, please understand. These prophets that they're listening to are lying to them. Listen to the intercessory prayer Jeremiah was praying. He wasn't excited to go tell them that famine is coming. He wasn't chomping at the bit to get up behind a pulpit and pound it and say, hey, the sword is going to come upon you. That's why he was a weeping prophet. He wept. He wept. Listen, we have to preach the whole counsel of God. I love to talk about gates of pearl. I love to talk about streets of gold. I love to talk about a land where we'll never grow old. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. But I've got to tell you about hell too. And I've got to tell you that there's a place where the fire is not quenched and where the worm dieth not. I've got to tell you about a place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I've got to tell you about a place, ladies and gentlemen, where there is outer, it's called outer darkness. But, but don't, 
Don't think for a moment that it pains me to say those things because it does pain me to say those things. I say them with tears as I understand that there are a lot of people going to hell. I understand there are a lot of people who've heard me preach that are going to hell. I understand there are a lot of people who've heard me teach that are going to hell. And it pains me and it grieves me. Preach the judgment of God, but don't preach it with glee. Preach it with tears. And ask God, oh Lord, spare this nation. Spare these cities. Let them have a revival in the land. Lord, let there be a revival. Hallelujah. Let there be a Holy Ghost, old time, old fashioned revival of repentance and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let there be a revelation of the name of Jesus Christ sweep across this land. I'm going to tell you something. Azusa Street took place a little over 100 years ago in, in Los Angeles, California. A revival that spread across the world. It can happen again. Oh, God have mercy. I said it can happen again. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah said, Hast thou utterly rejected Judah? Hath thy soul loathed Zion? Why hast thou smitten us and there is no healing for us? We looked for peace and there is no good for the time of healing and behold trouble. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers for we have sinned against thee. Let me just give you a little heads up. Jeremiah is the only one praying. Israel's not acknowledging nothing. Israel's full of idolatry. Israel's as backslid as can be. But Jeremiah takes all of the wickedness and transgression of Israel and goes before God and said, we acknowledge, we acknowledge our transgression before you. We acknowledge our iniquity before you. Leave us not. Leave us not. Hallelujah. That's called intercessory prayer. Notice what happens in the book of Daniel, chapter number 9. In verse 3, I'm going to read through these verses. They're powerful. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God. Hear what he does here. And made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And here it goes. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, to all the people of the land. Oh, Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces is at this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, unto all Israel that are near, that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, our princes, our fathers because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel hath transgressed thy law even by departure 
departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. He hath confirmed his words which he spake against us, against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth for we obeyed not his voice and now O Lord our God that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten thee renowned as at this day we have sinned we have done wickedly O Lord according to all thy righteousness I beseech thee let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem thy holy mountain because for our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us now therefore O oh our God hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake oh my God incline thine ear hear open thine eyes behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses but for thy great mercies O oh Lord hear O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Here it is. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and, and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation and informed me and talked with me and said oh Daniel I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding hallelujah when was the last time you prayed a prayer like that Lord we have rebelled against you Lord we have turned our back on you Lord we don't we don't we don't pray like we used to pray Lord we don't worship like we used to worship hallelujah hallelujah America used to have some kind of a God consciousness, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's, in, it's, in, it's embedded in, even in the governing documents of the land. That talking about our creator, we, all men are created equal. It's an acknowledgement that there is a creator who has created us. You hear what I'm telling you? You know where, you know, it used to be that people didn't do business on Sundays. Sunday was a day reserved to worship the Lord. And throughout America, people didn't even do business on Sundays there was a there was a habit used to be that in, in ice cream parlors they would put some alcohol in the ice cream and they would serve it through the week it had a little alcohol in it and, and and they wanted to make some money on Sunday but they they dare not serve anything that had alcohol in on a Sunday can you imagine that's only been a little over a hundred years ago but they dare not sell something that had alcohol in it on a Sunday. So they made an ice cream that was alcohol free and called it the Sunday. That's where it came from. 
Because America used to have an idea that we ought to be in the house of God, worshiping His name, praising His name, lifting up His name. I know America has flaws. There's no question. The flaws are inherent in so much of, of, of the humanity that, that brought forth upon this continent these great documents. But understand what I'm saying to you. There was a God consciousness that led them to turn away from so much that was wrong in their life and in their doings. And it's gotten away from that. And now in 2019, confusion is upon the face of our nation. And it's not enough for us just to sit back and point fingers at everything and everybody who's confused. We've got to go to God in prayer. We've got to go to God in prayer. We don't need orators. We need prayer warriors. I said we don't need orators. We need prayer warriors. Hallelujah. I love preaching. I love preaching. But we need the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need slick charisma to present the gospel. We need prayer backed preaching. Hallelujah. I don't want to preach without praying. I won't preach without praying. We've got to do everything we do in the name of Jesus backed by prayer. You ought always to pray. You ought to pray in the morning. You ought to pray in the noonday. You ought to pray when the sun is going down. You ought to pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. Hallelujah. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You got to pray, pray, pray. You ought always to pray. I will that men pray everywhere. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Don't get bored with the monotony of prayer. The monotony of prayer, it vanishes when you touch God. And you'll have those experiences. I don't know if Gabriel will come and visit you. I don't know. But you will have experiences where the Lord will speak to you. Touch your heart. Touch your mind. Hallelujah. Give you skill. Hallelujah. And understanding. My God have mercy. I'd so much rather have skill and understanding that comes from a prayer meeting than from any educational institution on this planet. Do you hear what I'm telling you? That that happens. There are things that happen in prayer. There are shifts in my mind, shifts in my spirit, shifts in my heart when I'm praying. We ought always to pray. I wonder if we could lift up our hands right now all across this building. Ah, oh, bless the holy name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's pray right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, take it all to God. Take everything to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you will stand with me, if you will stand with me. I want to give you two more examples real quick of, of prayer warriors in the scriptures. Because we sometimes think we don't need to take everything to God in prayer. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Samuel had his feelings hurt because Israel wanted a king, and it bothered him. He had given his life to them in service, and now, all of a sudden, they want a king, and it hurt him. It hurt his feelings. 
He did not let those feelings fester. He took them to God in prayer. Do not, do not, you hear me, I'm telling you something that will save your soul. Do not allow hurt feelings to fester. You have to take them to God in prayer and say, Lord, I need you to help me sort through this. While Samuel was talking to God and said, God, I don't understand it. I give my whole life to these people. And what do they do? They reject me. And God, in prayer, put it all in perspective. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me. And Samuel was at peace, grabbed himself a horn of oil, and went and known to the next king of Israel because prayer put his feelings into perspective. Notice Peter, when Peter is on the rooftop praying, and he's, and he's in this trance, and he's praying to the Lord. And the Bible says the Lord let down a sheet before him. And upon that sheet was every manner of unclean food that, that he was always uh, told not to eat, taught not to eat, had vowed he wouldn't eat. And the Lord in the vision said, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter said, No, not so, Lord, for it is common and it is unclean. And the Lord said, Rise, slay and eat. Three times the Lord tells him, Rise, slay and eat. And he tells him, Call not that which I have cleansed, common or unclean. And Peter was rebuked. In prayer he was rebuked. In prayer he was checked. In prayer God dealt with what was on the inside of him that was preventing the gospel from reaching the Gentile nations and in that moment the Lord said now now that I've established this principle in your life through prayer there are three men standing at the door who seek you go and talk to them I'm going to use you see it's in prayer where God purifies us hallelujah hallelujah glory to God it's in prayer that we commune with God and he starts to take the rough edges off of our spirit take off the jagged edges of ourselves that are so hurtful to others God deals with those things in prayer and when you're not praying he can't get to those areas I want God to have access to every part of me I can only let him do that in prayer. Let prayer be the thrill that it is. It's not, it's not monotonous. It's not boring. Touch God and your life will never be the same. I want us to come right now to the front. Somebody who needs to rededicate themselves to God in prayer. And say, Lord, let me pray. Let me pray. Let me pray. Lord, I want to be a prayer warrior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, if you've got nothing else, if you've got nothing else, don't tell me you can't be used of God because prayer is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. It is the fuel for the body of Christ. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Go ahead, go ahead. Lift up your hands right now and begin to cry out to God. I want you just to pray for what's on your heart right now. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your nation. Pray for your physical healing. Pray. Pray for somebody else's physical healing. But all over this house right now, come on, let's take that moment and pray to God. Come on, let's pray to God. Come on, let's pray to God. Oh, hallelujah. We ought always to pray. It's never in vain to pray. It's never in vain to pray. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, Lord, I come to you in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And breathe life into the giant bird. 
take this. Song.